You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Ben Standig here. Happy Wizards Day. It's always a Wizards Day on the Locked On Wizards podcast, where we're going to talk about all things about this NBA team that lives in Washington, uh, D.C., the actual one pro team that does. I guess the hockey team does, too. Well, so does the baseball team. I'm mostly thinking the football team doesn't. Anyway, uh, how are you doing? Um, Todd Dibus is here with me again. We're going to talk about uh, topics that are pertinent to the moment, but also sort of a reflection on how we got here on a few things and, and some storylines that we didn't have a chance to cover uh, in the offseason. I don't know if it's the biggest one, but I think it's probably the biggest one because it certainly got the most national attention. And that is the story that apparently John Wall and Bradley Beal hate each other and don't want to be in the same room together. Is that because that's the storyline that I seem to hear in some broad sense by people who don't cover the team, who don't live here. And honestly, also by people who do live here, who do cover sports in town, but only view the Wizards from a 30,000 foot view. Uh, so let's get into that, Todd. Um, where to begin? Where to begin with this silliness? I guess let's just start with this. Were you as offended as I was by how this story careened out of control to the point that it made the Wizards seem more seem like a laughing stock because apparently they brought back two guards that can't stand each other. Yeah, I, I was very surprised at the national reaction, though maybe I shouldn't have been surprised because we know how many people are are covering the Wizards on a daily basis and how many of those people we heard weigh in on this story. Those were two distinctly different things. Um, and so that led to an easy headline of, hey, these guys don't like each other. Uh, they'll never like each other. Uh, one once arm wrestled the other's uncle and they got mad at each other and, and the other slashed the tires of the, you know, it was just, it seemed quite out of hand. Um, for what it's worth, if it was a family on family thing, I don't know all of Wall's family, but based on Beal's brothers, I'm going to give the edge to Bradley Beal. His brothers are some <laughs> right. big dudes. Right. Yeah. His, one of his brothers, I think he's a professional bodybuilder. Yeah. No, he, he's legit trained Beal. And then his other brother yeah. is also a, 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 a big guy who I would not want to uh, arm wrestle, <laughs> among other things. Yeah. So it, it just, it was weird because <clears throat> it was weird in both directions of, that it seemed out of blown out of proportion, certainly. Um, but it also was the supposed surprise element that these guys weren't best of friends. Uh, I think is what took us both by surprise the most that people didn't realize that despite them doing all these sit downs and when, remember when they had the Christmas Day game a couple of years ago, you know, ESPN sits down with John and Brad and it's Christmas and every time it's John and Brad, John and Brad. And for marketing purposes, they're always paired. And, you know, they did all that because that's what they have to do. It's not because they were just always there being best friends and whatever. And so to us, it seemed like their relationship was fine was a functional relationship if not one that had some challenges certainly and that they weren't best friends whenever they left the locker room which was also fine because that's how things work at work which is what this is this is a work relationship and so for people to launch this into they despise each other a and this bizarre uh surprise feeling that they're not best of friends um, those were the two weirdest things about the whole storyline to me when it first came up. 
Yeah, I mean, when you watch them, their body language, and again, we only know what we see. Now, we see after practices sometimes, after home games, um, you know, I don't know what goes on when they leave the court and they go have dinner together or they don't have to go have dinner together. Well, plane rides or all these other, when they're waiting to do these PR appearances together, no, nobody sees that. Right, And, and nobody knows. So, but based on what we saw... You're right. I didn't see two guys who were finishing each other's sentences. Mm-hmm. They seem like a perfect basketball pairing. That doesn't necessarily mean that they were uh, vacationing together to Cancun. Right. And yet, and that's totally fine. Right. That, that's the strangest thing to me is like that. that's inappropriate in some capacity where apparently everyone else works at a place where you're best friends with everybody in your office and when 5 p.m. comes every day, you're torn which one you want to go out with that night because that's just not how things work. You know, you you have best friends. And certainly in Walt's case, he has this, like, core group of guys from when he grew up who are still around and he keeps around. And that's kind of where his social life starts. So, you know, and Beal certainly has the, the same thing. He has people from St. Louis. He has people from Florida. He has his brothers are always in town. So... Um, and his girlfriend's always around now, too. So, you know, they have their lives to live independent of each other. So it's very strange for them to be heavily criticized for not locking arms and leaving the arena together every day. Now, let's – but like you said, if – this is – this is I always find this fascinating when I get into a discussion almost about anything. John Wall and Beale, the election – Game of Thrones, whatever the topic is, it, depending on where you stand on the conversation, if you if it's a line, I tend to find myself in the middle of most things. Mm-hmm. Not to say I'm neutral, it's to say that I can see the nuance in both sides of arguments, and depending on who I'm arguing with, I will look more pro, one, more one side of this way or one side of that way, especially if the other person is way over to that extreme. And again, you can picture the election in your head as an example of that. Um, so, for example, if somebody had come to us six months ago and said, hey, Wall and Beal, they are best buds. How cute is that? I'd have been like, well. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know if that's true. And for an example, I was in Vegas for the Summer League, and I took a picture, and other people think did as well. There's a point where the Wall and Beal are there to watch the Wizards kids play. They often, for the game of that team, they open up space for anybody who's connected to that team to come play, and they want – the former, the current players to be on the sidelines, good for the TV, the interview, somebody comes over to interview them, whatever. Wall and Beal were both sitting on the court in the same row and could not have sat further apart from each other than humanly possible. There was like 10 seats between them. Most of them were open. They couldn't have been farther apart. Garrett Temple, I think he had just signed with Sacramento. Yep. He was sitting at various points with both of them. Wall was, uh, Beal was more with his girlfriend. Did I take that to mean that they hate each other? No. Did I take that to mean that they didn't necessarily have to hang out with each other at that moment? Yes. Was it a weird look? Absolutely. But did it mean this is dysfunctional, somebody has to go? I didn't take it like that. And by the way, nobody else did. You know why? Because nobody gave two craps. Nobody thinks about them. Nobody thinks about the Wizards at all, which is a whole other aspect of this story. But, like, it's not, it wasn't – again, they weren't best buddies. But because this story came out, which, by the way, help me if I'm right here – I can't remember everything. This story happened because John Wall went on with CSN CSN and says, what did he say? I've lost track. I've got too much other uh, sports on my head. You're going to look up the exact quote because I don't want to mess it all up. But basically, 
Wall says, and by the way, this this goes back to when Wall made the comment about Reggie Jackson's contract. He <laughs> says stuff that comes across as very direct and sometimes harsh. I, to sound to, to to talk like one of the kids these days, John keeps it real. He right. says what's right. on his head. It does not necessarily mean it's malicious. He's not. He doesn't sugarcoat. I don't know if he has that in his DNA to sugarcoat. He he talks like he plays straight ahead, a hundred miles an hour, and sometimes. It's not the most artful of phrasing, but at the same point, like with Reggie Jackson, I didn't get like he was going, oh, Reggie Jackson's crap. What the heck? How are we making the same money? I didn't take what he said here as this guy. Are you kidding me with this? How is this guy making more money than me? This is terrible. What's the deal? So what was the... uh... He said, I think a lot of times we have a tendency to dislike each other on the court. You got to be able to put that aside. Once I argue with somebody, I'm cool. I let it pass. I'm back to playing basketball. Anyone who doesn't who does play basketball in any capacity, even if you're just playing pickup at this point and it's at least semi competitive pickup, you get mad at somebody on the court Absolutely. if you're if you're trying to win, let alone in the situation of a professional athlete. And that you're the point guard and the other guy's the scorer, that's always a headbutting relationship at some point. So it it was it was a strange storyline and if the team continues to lose after this 0-2 start, then certainly that storyline is going to be kicked back up again when there's probably a lot more fundamental uh, issues to be discussed and that are leading to their problems than if these guys are uh, hanging out and driving each other's cars and doing whatever you envision BFFs going around doing when they're young 20 something year old millionaires what do what do you envision they do <laughs> uh not worry about their bank account probably the, the, at that point in my life um i think my my bank account had zeros just because there was basically nothing in it um and sometimes there was like two zeros within a numeral in front of them and kind of peek there and it, cross it your fingers that you're about to get paid that week and you got to put that in the bank immediately fun things like that it is weird to go to your job and know that there are people who are there with you who make insanely more money than you do i mean not that we are we're not co-workers with them but like we're around these people with them the redskins and that man that in the base in, in the nationals clubhouse like when they get paid each month and they all are in there opening their checks and you think about how that check is more than you make annually and they're like oh hey another check so, yeah, what a life. Yeah, what a life. And by the way, I do like, as, as we go through more of these podcasts, because one one thing to note here, I mean, there's a few people in town who cover a lot of teams, but I don't know if there's anybody who covers more of the different teams than the two of us. And I think to compare, sometimes you, each situation, I mean, the Wizards have nothing to do with the Nationals, have nothing to do with the Redskins, but sometimes you have to, it's good to look at all the different situations to really see what's what's a good chemistry, where, where there's dysfunction, and how sure. sometimes – what perception of dysfunction is nothing. Um, but let's take Wall's quote. Pull, pull, pull that back up for a sec. Let's take Wall's quote for what he says. When he says uh, that we have a tendency to dislike each other. On the court. On the court. Yes. Very key uh, extra point there. So let, let, let's look at that because you said something on, on the last podcast we did and we've talked about this before as to what that means. I don't think this is something that ma- that manifests itself for – 95% of the game, but there's a specific point in the game that I think this comes out where you can see butting of the heads, and that is end of 
possessions and end of quarters. Specifically, the NBA, we know how the NBA game works largely. Somebody has the ball in their hands. It's typically the guy who's the best player, LeBron, Steph Curry, whatever. And that person makes a decision on what to do with the ball. They shoot, they pass. They're the ones with the ball to make the, the call. And the question, I think, with the Wizards has been, I had players say to me this last year, and I think this is too, the guy who should likely have the ball at the end of the possession for the Wizards is not the guy who typically does. Because John Wall is the point guard. It's logical. The ball will be in his hands. But Bradley Beal is a much better shooter, which therefore, from the from distance, which gives you, I think, more options with what to do. With, with Wall, they typically back off, allowing him to shoot the jumper. He gets in these weird one-on-one isos that I know drives Todd insane. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Wizards tend to sort of take these, have these nothing empty possessions. And I do, my sense is if there's tension, it's that who is the alpha in those moments. Yeah, I would agree with a lot of that. And I, I think one of the complications they have is that Wall, neither Wall nor Beal are someone who really creates their own shot most of the time. Most of the time, those guys need a screen to kind of get things going or they need to get into something to get things going. I, I do wish that this end of quarter, end of game, whatever situation is expanded beyond only belonging to them. I think it may need to be a smart matchup move if Marquise Morris, for instance, has the best matchup because the guy guarding him is, you know, he's been scoring on him all night. You, you can't just automatically discount him. But that that seems to be where we where we are with this, where Wall starts the possession, dribbles down the clock, uses a screen, doesn't use a screen. And then something happens, usually unproductive. We saw in the Memphis game, he gave it a try, and then Beal gave it a try on one possession, I think, in overtime. And Beal had his three partially blocked, and the, the whole thing was a hot mess, and I was wondering why they didn't run anything. I had no problem in that game with Brooks not calling timeout on the final possession of the game. I'm typically for that, especially if – you're playing in a game where you haven't been scoring much, which they didn't against Memphis, you know, just try to get something in the flow. Um, but they, they just didn't run anything. They didn't do anything except these ineffective isolations. And they don't have a Kevin Durant-style player, so there needs to be some more creativity there. There needs to be, certainly needs to be a change. Um, we've seen this for a couple of years now, and it's not working. Yeah, absolutely. And and to sort of tie it back in with some of the other stuff where I said that Wall will say some things and doesn't always mean it to the degree that I think people take it. I think he does, is a very literal, comes across a very literal person. If he is told X, he sort of thinks X. And he grew up as a young player in this era of people criticizing LeBron for passing the ball. In this era of the post-Michael Jordan world where the best player typically takes that shot, even though for most of the game, we view John Wall as the guy who's, the whole point is we put shooters around John Wall, yes. he's going to set them up. But then we get to these last possessions and somehow the world changes as to what is happening. Now the defense is making, is doing that, is helping put the Wizards in these spots by backing off, not allowing him to penetrate and so on and so on. But I think sometimes in his head, he views it as I'm the best player, I'm the face of the franchise, I'm the point guard, I need to shoot. And you know the only place that this changed was in the playoffs with Paul Pierce. Then they were actually running stuff, and they were running stuff for Paul Pierce, who's going to walk into the Hall of Fame. And it seemed yeah. like both of those guys were like, 
okay, this, you know, <laughs> this is okay. If we're going to be able to kick Paul Pierce wide open for a corner three, then let's use that shot. And that's kind of what I'm talking about in use your best option. Just don't default to those guys because those are those guys. But obviously the layout of the team is different now. So there, there probably is, as you alluded to, when both of them thinking I should be doing this as a leader of the team in order to accomplish something here. And they, they probably disagree most of the time on how that stuff is executed. And it does kind of feel that like this is to, to add a third player into the element you mentioned, Pierce, like there isn't, like, it would be ideal to have three guys that you could feel comfortable yes. putting the ball in their hands and then the other ones can work off ball. I mean, John Wall off ball, not the same player because of the, the lack of the perimeter shot. I mean, he was much better last year from three, but that's, you know, you're not setting up John Wall for a spot up three. But they don't really have that guy. I mean, Otto Porter improved a lot last year, but he's not – they're not running the offense through him. Right. Markeith Morris is you know, pretty good so far through two games. That's not his deal. Gortat is definitely the pick-and-roll guy, but he's definitely not the right. – let's run the offense through him. So you are kind of it's, – it's one of those two guys. That may be Brooks's biggest challenge on some level. Eh, probably not. It's probably got a little <laughs> bigger challenges. But it's it, one of the challenges, sure. Yeah, I mean, to figure out how to get – especially now – they're, they're locked in, no pun intended with this podcast. They're locked in to this backcourt. Yeah, t- trades, blah, blah, blah. They're not doing At that. least three years. Yeah. yeah, by the way, like the people who say the Wizards should like trade John Wall, stop. Can make me a break. This is their team. They've got to figure this out. And again, on paper, you can't – this is the this is what you draw up. The point guard who passes to the shooter who makes threes. Mm-hmm. This is ideal. But they got to figure out these end-of-possession situations, and this is where coaching comes into play. Sure. You can't just say, yep, your ball, John, you go for it. Somebody has to say, okay, here's the plan. You may not like this one. Next one is yours, whatever. What's going to work? They've got to figure out that dynamic, which, again, to me, back to the hating thing, I don't think they hate each other by any stretch, but this is the tension I sense on the court where when Wall says these things. It's where coach and ego come, in, come into play. So, you know – Scott Brooks as a quote-unquote player's coach, I think what we see of him publicly kind of doesn't tell the truth about how he runs practice or the precise expectations he has for players because, you know, his body language and his smiles and um, him being a very affable person when you're just talking to him as a stranger, certainly practice is much different. If you recall Markeith Morris dropping the militaristic term, very which early, seemed, which seems odd, frankly, but yeah, yeah, sure. what do very I know? early. So you know, so then you're gonna have the this trio of the coach, Wall, and Beal with his new contract, trying to figure these things out. So it's what what is most effective for us, what enables us to smooth over some egos as well, and kind of how do you mix those things? And that's why Scott Brooks is making what nine million a year, five years. It, it, to, to go back to the uh, getting paid monthly, it's way more than what we're making in, in a year. That, that, Until this podcast blows up, yes. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I should mention this. I, I was supposed to mention that, like, we've got some sponsors through the Locked On Podcast Network. But in theory, anybody who's listening to this on the local level, if you're interested in sponsoring us on the podcast, you should hit us up. Uh, oh, you know what? I also didn't mention our Twitter handle. I really have to work on, on this. 
I know. Todd's shaking yeah. his head right now. It's, it's good this is not on TV. I think he just gave me the looks that people think Wall gives me. Yeah, I was going to say, I just gave you, you, you just dribbled out the clock at the end of the possession uh, and I shook my head. All right, so let's get into that. So you are, what, at Todd Divis? Underscore, Todd underscore Divis, correct. Oh, your underscores are terrible. Uh, I am at Ben Standig. You can hit us up there if you want to you wanna email me. Uh, hit, hit, hit me up, bstandig1 at gmail.com. Uh, hit up with some of your questions on Twitter, on there. And like I said, if you want to sponsor the podcast, happy to discuss it. We like all the help we can get. Um, all right, man. I think we've now solved this wall beal thing. Bottom line is yeah, bottom line is you're welcome. Don't don't panic. That this isn't uh, this isn't Armageddon. This isn't uh uh I keep using a Redskins analogy, but this is not Albert Hainsworth, Mike Shanahan, this isn't uh Burt Reynolds and Lonnie Anderson if you're a hundred years old, know Whoa. that reference. Yeah, I'm old. Whoa. It's not it's not uh it's not Drake and Meek Mill. Is that better? Sure. Is that is that better? Except we, yeah, two things we wanna try to keep out of this podcast. Drake references and trade John Wall discussions. Ugh. Don't even get me started on that. Uh, I banged my head to the wall reading that crazy article. Right, neither, neither worth five seconds. All right, on that note, we will catch back with you tomorrow. Remember, check us out every day for the Locked on Wizards podcast on iTunes, Audio Boom, or anywhere you find your pods. Until next time, see you.